Welcome to Close Horse, the podcast that dreamed a few nights ago of painting a huge billboard that just said greenwashing and ITC Bookman with swash. I love fonts. It was a very stressful dream because there was paint dripping everywhere. You know how this goes if you've ever painted your apartment or your house. And I was frantically trying to clean up all this dripping paint with an old newspaper that I'd found on the side of the road. And unsurprisingly, it was not working. (laughs) Or at least it wasn't working very well. Anyway, I'm your host, Amanda, and this is episode 137. And of course, we must be talking about greenwashing today if I've been dreaming about it. Although to be fair, Clothes Horse has found its way into a lot of my dreams over the past few years including one where I confronted a troll, an Instagram troll named Helen, ultimately throwing an iced coffee on her purse, which I would never do IRL, but it was pretty gratifying in the dream. Anyway, fortunately for you, this episode is not about dreams, even though I personally find hearing other people's dreams pretty fascinating. Today's special guest is Janice, co-founder of Tuya, a platform where individuals can compare sustainable companies and save on them, and where every purchase supports targeted conservation efforts. Tuya right now is in startup mode, and it's just about to launch a crowdfunding campaign. I'll have more information about that at the end of this episode. Today, Janice and I will be talking about why she is passionate about educating others about the scourge of greenwashing, and we'll be discussing some ideas for ways we can make better decisions in our own day-to-day lives. We'll also talk about some of our least favorite greenwashers and greenwashing techniques like carbon offset and tree planting campaigns. They're classics, right? Before we jump into that conversation, I wanted to talk a little bit about the role the fashion media plays in not only promoting and perpetuating greenwashing claims, but by also legitimizing them and turning them into facts, that's facts and quotes, by repeating them over and over again. The recent Saint Laurent fashion show in Morocco is a great example of this phenomenon. Ostensibly, this show, which occurred in the desert near Marrakech, Morocco, was so-called carbon neutral. The fashion media loved this story, repeating time and time again how the event was carbon neutral and groundbreaking in its conservation efforts. And in some regards, sure, you know what? It was a lot more focused on its impact than other shows. I will give it that. All of the non-potable water used in the event was used to irrigate olive crops. Great. Excess textiles were donated to local craftswomen to turn into rugs. Okay, fine. Equipment was rented when possible. Sure. But ultimately, what made this event, which involved flying models and staff, equipment, clothing, makeup, audience members, and of course the fashion media itself to Morocco, so many flights and car rides, what made all of this carbon neutral was that Saint Laurent had purchased carbon offsets. None of the fawning articles I read about this event mentioned that carbon neutral does not equal no environmental impact. The flights still happened. The trucks and shipping still used fuel. And energy was used to light the event, provide music, etc. There was like a flaming ring. I mean, this was not an impactless event. To be clear, buying carbon offset credits neither cancels out the climate impact 
nor reduces it. Often the revenue driven by these credits is used to fund programs like tree planting, etc., that may not have very much value. In fact, using carbon offsets has two major and extremely valid criticisms. One is that carbon offset credits are not actual greenhouse gas mitigation. Instead, they are a substitute for real climate action. Often this illusion of canceling out the carbon impact of an event, company, or industry actually makes climate change worse by obscuring the true greenhouse gas emissions and energy usage in the first place. Number two, carbon offset projects tend to be pretty dubious in their impact and even harm local communities and make environmental problems worse. Many of these projects have been shown to be wasteful of money, to be disrespectful towards communities and cultures, and overall, pretty pointless. According to Greenpeace, quote, offset schemes often exclude local and indigenous peoples from land management practices that allow them to grow food and preserve biodiversity. Overall, carbon offset projects are notoriously scammy. For example, back in 2010, the Vatican learned that the million-plus trees it had paid to plant as part of a carbon offset program had never existed. Ultimately, carbon offset programs really just allow us to pretend that everything will be okay without any serious changes from industries, governments, and even us. And carbon offset programs are a big business, a big moneymaker. In the same way that making leggings out of plastic bottles might make us reach for bottled water, feeling as if the problem of plastic waste has been solved, carbon offset programs lead to a sense that everything with climate change is under control. No changes have to happen. Back to the St. Laurent show. None of the press I read about it mentioned the dodginess of carbon offset programs. No one said, oh, hey, but by the way, carbon neutral does not equal zero impact. And no one raised the idea that maybe it would be better from an environmental perspective to do a virtual show without airplanes, trucks, flaming rings, etc. Or at the very least, just do the show in Paris as usual. These are all extremely viable options, right? Instead, each piece praised St. Laurent as visionary, as groundbreaking, as a leader in the space of sustainability, blah, blah, blah. This, this notion that is always out there that fashion can still save the planet. This is par for the course when it comes to sustainability and fashion. Often a narrative and some key press release quotes will be played over and over again in article after article until these quotes and the brand's agenda become fact, or at the very least, the only thing the general public can find in the first 5, 10, or even 20 pages of Google search results, essentially rendering it as fact. And to be clear, this repetition of greenwashing claims until they become fact is a part of all fashion reporting, even outside of standard fashion publications. Want some examples? Well, a 2021 Rolling Stone article eye-rollingly called Upgrade Your Eco-Cool Wardrobe with These Sustainable Clothing Brands included greenwashing all-stars, all-birds, and alternative apparel. 
a 2016 piece from ABC News called How Sustainable Brands Are Turning Their Backs on Fast Fashion Trend called out ASOS and its eco-edit options as a great resource. We all know that ASOS is a mega fast fashion brand, but to read about them in an article referring directly to sustainable brands tells the reader pretty explicitly that ASOS is a sustainable brand. Across the internet, Madewell, Nike, H&M, Everlane, Levi's, Athleta, Free People, and on and on and on have been called out for their sustainability. But we know otherwise, right? Unfortunately, the average shopper does not know that. This phenomenon of legitimizing greenwashing happens for two major reasons. Number one is lots and lots of clicks. Sustainability and sustainable fashion are great search terms that drive major traffic to news and media sites. And this type of content has major appeal to many, many readers. Because, you know, much as greenwashing is successful because it makes us feel better, right? This kind of content allows consumers to have the illusion that the world can be saved without any major changes from us. The delusion that we can shop our way to a better world. Greenwashing and that delusion, they are hand in hand, right? And these retailers, they need us to believe that we can shop our way to a a better world via them, right? Number two, money, money, and more money. Often this kind of digital content includes affiliate links, meaning that if you click on the link in the article to the allegedly sustainable product or brand and you buy something, the media platform gets a cut of the sales. This is big business and probably most of the time it's really easy for you to spot once you know it exists, but man, any article you read online, on Apple News, anywhere on your phone, on your computer, what have you, is if it's about buying something, whether it's clothing, computers, makeup, shoes, cat food, you name it, there is an affiliate link there. The media platform makes money when you click into it. A few years ago, when I was working at the horrible feminist brand that I've mentioned here, we found out that Refinery29 no longer wanted to do posts about us because we couldn't drive enough affiliate dollars for them. And a writer there told us that they were being pushed by upper management to hit a specific financial threshold for each piece they wrote. Sustainability and sustainable fashion content, that drives affiliate clicks and that drives revenue for the media platforms. Other media outlets like Forbes and USA Today, they straight up get paid to include brands on lists of sustainable brands or visionary startups, what have you. The 30 under 30 features on Forbes, they are paid for by the 30 people featured. They pay a recurring sort of membership to be included and covered. And of course, All of these blogs, magazines, and platforms rely on advertising money from the same big brands they are covering to pay the bills. So you know what? They're not about to point out anything particularly provocative that might 
result in a retailer or brand pulling their advertising or thinking twice in the future. Yep, it's it's hard to parse out what is real or fiction when it comes to greenwashing. I know I have given myself many rage-induced headaches from working on it, but I do think it can be a little bit easier for us if we know how to go about finding the information. Platforms like Good On You, Fashion Revolution, and Janice's Project Tuya are a good start, but also just revisiting how we ask the internet to verify information can help a lot too. No matter what you are asking, scroll past the first few search results. For example, I searched free people sustainable, and the first result was some dumb free people so-called sustainable product collection. Basically free people using smaller ethical sustainable brands to greenwash free people as a whole. But I kept scrolling and clicking and I encountered content from Good On You. That was great. But then I also found kind of ambiguous content from something called the Sustainable Living Guide that I felt definitely was beating around the bush about whether or not free people is ethical and sustainable. And I think kind of probably would drive people to shop at free people. That's what I think. Next, I personally always recommend starting with the name of the brand or fabric, collection, certification, group, what have you, and adding greenwashing to the end. That gets you to an answer fast. I googled free people greenwashing and I found article after article from Good On You, Remake, and a blazingly good piece from Zeitgeist called The 15 Worst Fast Fashion Brands to Avoid in 2021, which I'll actually link in the show notes because I thought it was a really nice handy guide that might surprise some people if you share it with them. It's important for us to be skeptical of any huge environmental win associated with clothing and big fashion brands, especially when it's coming from the fashion media, who has a lot of money on the line and relies on these brands for its livelihood. And when you realize how much nonsense all of this greenwashing reporting is, it makes you question all of the other things you've been told by fashion media over the years, from dressing for your body type to the shoes you must have this season. Maybe all of it was nonsense to begin with, all just being used to help media outlets and brands make even more money off of you. When you start to think about it or see it that way, it kind of changes everything. Okay, With that, because I could seriously talk about this for like eight more hours, let's jump into my conversation with Janice. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone? Yeah, so my name is Janice Lamaru, and I am co-founder of a new platform called Tuya. And uh, what we do is we help our users to become empowered and understand, but also save money on actual verified sustainable companies. And, you know, when you and I were talking, like to prepare for this conversation, you told me that you grew up in Alberta, which you called Canada's Texas. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I was just wondering how growing up there sort of started you on your journey to being an environmentalist, to caring about sustainability, to wanting to help people make better choices with shopping? Yeah, I I think 
that sort of part of my personality was always innately within me, regardless of where I was going to grow up. But, <laughs> but maybe it just made me stand out a little bit more. Um, my parents are so funny. They've always called me their little granola child, which is like a regional term, I suppose, for a little bit of a hippie or a little bit of a, a tree hugger got thrown <laughs> around a lot. So I, I think it was always within my personality. But but yeah, maybe just made me <laughs> stand out a little bit more living in. Um, you could, I mean, there's so many great people everywhere, but it's definitely a little bit more conservative uh, politically and also, um, you know, it's oil and gas. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's a to- it's a totally different mindset around like planetary resources. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when you make a living off of oil and gas, it's hard for you to understand why everybody else would want the world to switch to electric vehicles or to stop making polyester or plastic. Because it's like, well, there goes my livelihood. That's exactly it. And I I think we get pitted against each other a lot when, um, you know, it's, it's completely reasonable for people to get defensive when others attack their livelihood and how they've provided for their families yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, okay, so you are starting this new platform, Tuya. Will you tell us a little bit about what you're doing? Yeah, for sure. So it, it kind of started out as just like a, a random idea of being bored, you know, kind of mid-COVID. And I had always wor- been working towards something in my life, whether or not that's like traveling or going back to school. And I was just kind of living and enjoying my life but I was just kind of like oh yeah I don't really have any goals right now and I I went through a few ideas of a a couple different um ideas for businesses actually one of them being a farmer's market app that I discovered was (laughs) already being done oh too bad that's a great (laughs) idea (laughs) I I thought it was really cool yeah and uh no but I um made my uh this friend who is now my business partner and He's a a born activist, and he was just so inspiring, and it um, really reignited my passion for everything because a big part of Tuya is to help busy people. Mm-hmm. You know, I um, I went back, to, like I said, I went back to school, I went traveling, and I found that sort of the sustainable aspect of my life kind of fell by the wayside, and he just really reignited that passion in me, and we were just talking and talking, and we're like, well, what can we do? And we kind of asked ourselves the question of, well, how do you get an average busy person who might be a little bit apathetic but wants to care but mm-hmm. doesn't have the time? And so the, the, the answer was, well, you have to do all of the work for the individual. It has to be extremely easy because we live in the age of convenience, you know. Everything is at the tap of the button. And then also, you know, I'm not above saying, like, financial incentive. You know, we all want to save a few dollars, especially, you know, comparatively from when we've started, inflation has just gone out the roof. So we, we kind of started by answering the question, how do we change the average person's habits who, you know, want to make a difference but don't have the time? And then that's where Tuya came from. So we had this idea of, We'll, we'll rate and collect and, and find the brands for people and we'll do the work. And and then a year and a half later, <laughs> we're, we're still going. And, and uh, yeah, so we, 
we will be launched in a couple of months here, and it's super exciting to see everything come to fruition. And where did you get the name Tuya? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that question. So uh, Arnu is the name of my business partner, and uh, he is an uh, ecologist. And uh, he really wanted it to be based in nature because a big part of our business is that a portion of our profits go towards targeted nature conservation. And I'm living in British Columbia, Canada, and a really big um, issue happening here right now is the logging of our old growth. And within our region, a lot of the old growth is the ancient western red cedar. And so Tuya is Latin for the western red cedar, but It kind of comes with a little bit of a funny story because he, you know, he's got all of the nature and the biodiversity, that information, that knowledge. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was kind of saying him, we were coming down where I was like, okay, you know, we need to set up the business structure. I need to create emails. I'm very much the business side of things. And I was like, you need to land on a name because we were throwing around a few. And I was like, I'm just going to call it Pinecone. (laughs) Yeah. if we can't land on a name, I was like, if you can't decide, I'm calling it Pinecone. And actually, I still have some friends that call it Pinecone. But um, no, so we, so we landed on Tuya. So let's talk a little bit about this. Because there are a couple services out there that, mm-hmm. I mean, it, none of them are great. I will preface this. There are a couple <laughs> platforms I can think out there that do, in one way or another, whether they like, you can go to their website and they'll sell you a curated assortment of product from brands that are they've vetted or they're more like good on you where there are reviews sort of um but they also i mean they're definitely making money by like driving advertising basically for these sustainable brands mm-hmm. how will what you do be different yeah so what we really want to do is we want to create a platform for the lesser known br- lesser known brands really doing cool things and making a difference so where when you look at good on you and you look at those other services they're amazing and and we you know look to them for a lot of inf- inspiration but we're not wasting our time with rating nike we're not wasting our time with eight <laughs> and like i'm glad that they do that right because yeah. because you know no one else needs to do it now but people do reach out to me and they're like is nike ethical and i kind of laugh but you know i realize that like nike is one of those brands that every year wins like wins if that's the right verb here but they always are like the most trusted consumer brand which is laughable to me (laughs) because I think they're like one of the sketchiest but you know there are people who are like is anthropology ethical is free people ethical and I'm glad that good on you is there to do that but sometimes I and I I use good on you a lot I, Mm -hmm. I find that sometimes they give passes to brands that I don't think they should yeah, and and it's really funny to look at that because we've we've gone pretty deep into good on you and and again nothing against them like the work that they've done is so extensive but we notice the same sort of thing we look at oh I can't even um, uh, think of a brand off the top of my head but we kind of will compare you know someone's got an A and someone's got a D but you know, there's a coupon code for one and not the other. And it seems like the rating should be reversed almost Mm -hmm. once you really look into it. But, but yeah, so we don't, um, you know, the ratings of the big box, you know, fast fashion brands have been done. We know they're bad. What we want to do is kind of create a one-stop shop to 
give the lesser known and and don't get me wrong there's going to be some well-known brands on there that a lot of people know but um yeah we just want to at the end of the day we want people to hop on to the website and it will be an app later on down the road but to just uh very easy very clean find the brands that are doing the good things and just use that as your shopping platform i mean people need that because it's it's hard right yeah, and um, just it's it's a one stop shop to help you shift into a more sustainable lifestyle mm-hmm. um, without having to search through you know thousands and thousands of brands that you're not necessarily looking for. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think I mean I have so many thoughts around it because one of the questions I receive most in my DM DMs on Instagram is like hey, where can I find an ethical bathing suit or ethical yeah. underwear or ethical jeans? Or, and yeah. I'm like, I don't – I personally don't give people shopping advice. Like, mm-hmm. that's just not what I'm here for. And they yeah. have to make those decisions on their own. And I, you know, I direct them towards platforms. But I can see how hard it is to wade through all of that information. Oh, yeah. That, I think that was the most surprising and hilarious thing about my journey I had this idea and we're like, oh, this is going to be, we're going to be up and running in six months and this is going to be so easy. Like, no, (laughs) no, that was a, that was a hard, fast realization. We probably spent six months developing our index. Uh, You know, we've passed off a few of our criteria that we don't have a lot of knowledge in. So social justice, primarily, Mm -hmm. Um, we've had people review and verify and compare with other indexes to make sure we're covering all of our bases and the research that goes into really figuring out if a brand is telling the truth and not just greenwashing you is is an incredible amount of work and I I just think it's so funny because on our first conversation we had a chat and I was saying you know I I uh, don't think I told you this part but yeah I had compiled the list of like 200 companies I was like wow these guys are all doing really cool things. And six months later, you know, after we're getting close to the uh, finalization of our rating index, um, I go back and look at them and, and I'm just, you know, there's no way. So, and not to say that I'm an expert, I'm a very average individual, but to the untrained eye, it takes a lot of effort because marketing is just marketing, right? It's words. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Brands can say anything. And so, you know, that's why we really dive into like third party verifications and audits. And a lot of the times, even these third party verifications aren't necessarily, um, uh, what's the word for it? Like they're, they're kind of faulty unto themselves as well. Like it's true. It's true. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's so many layers. And mm-hmm. I would say there are definitely brands that two years ago I thought were pretty good. Yeah. And now I'm just like, no, I would I would never shop for them for a variety of reasons. Like maybe I learned more about these sort of like certifications and mm-hmm. whatnot that they were they were relying on. And it turns out they're kind of scammy. A lot of them are. Like you know. A lot of them are like they like police themselves basically and that's just not realistic. Yeah, exactly. You know? and, yeah. and and while we're on the topic, like just to touch on like the B Corp certification, like don't get me wrong, it's great and it's a great initiative, but it's just kind of like it's a you know, you pay for this badge that holds a lot of clout, but at the end of the day it really doesn't mean anything 
Um, I know. And, that's and- <laughs> a good one. No, that's – it's really true. It's changed over the years. Yes. I remember – Probably like four or five years ago, I was helping a client of mine prepare for B Corp certification, and it was Mm -hmm. intense. Yeah. It meant really revisiting every single thing that they were doing within their business, even just like the kind of cleaning products they were using in the offices, Mm -hmm. like paper products, all that stuff. But over time, and it's because, you know, real talk, the B Corp company – makes money that's their business yeah. right yeah is is certifying people and then exactly. like you know renewing that certification it, it's a very very expensive mm-hmm. naturally over time they wanted to grow that business and so i think and this this isn't even like a, an i think or a feeling it's like something i've actually read and noticed that it's become easier mm-hmm. to become a b corp yeah, yeah, and even to go back to just like the learning curve of all of this and and how much time it does take to really look into these companies and and verify if they're, you know, walking walking the walk is that, you know, when we started out I was like, "Oh, we have to go for B Corp. We have to go for B Corp." And then I as I'm reviewing these businesses, um I I was just like, "Oh. <laughs> this one doesn't mean a lot, does it?" Yeah, yeah, exactly. It seems that most the few other platforms that are out there that are really like vetting brands for people are looking at like, okay, they look at their carbon footprint, maybe, maybe their actions around water, uh, you know, their policies regarding animal products. And, you know, they will generally speak to what they can speak to mm-hmm. regarding like wages and factory conditions, although that's the – that's the most opaque of it all, right? What else are you looking into as you build these sort of recommendations? Yeah, so generally speaking, what we see when we look at these other platforms is it's really uh, people, planet, and animals. Um, how in-depth their index is definitely varies from platform to platform. Mm-hmm. But um, so we look into the product. So that's a little bit of a vague statement, but we look into the portion of materials used. So we compare how many sustainable materials they use comparatively to non-sustainable materials. So you look at a brand like Patagonia that still use PFCs and Gore-Tex, but then they're also using Merino wool. So we kind of look at, at the comparison of those products. We look at timeless style. So mm-hmm. is this is this company putting out trendy clothes or are they putting out clothes that they intend for you to wear for years? Um, what are their warranty policies like? Do they have mm-hmm. a do they have a repair program? A lot of p- companies that we're seeing lately are coming out with um, uh, a second life program that they'll take back the product or or they have you know sort of a hub which, can be a little bit sketchy in, in, with certain companies. You know, you see H&M saying, bring back your clothes and we'll give you... Uh. So, like, you know, be wary of that. But when you see, like, a sustainable-to-the-core company doing a Second Life program, that's really great. Um, mm-hmm. We look into climate and ecology. So we look into their water practices. Uh, we look into what chemicals are they using in the production of their clothes. Um are they using any methodologies to reduce their water consumption? Uh, we look into, do they assess their carbon footprint? What are they doing to reduce their emissions? Um, and then we go into social justice. So uh, are they in support of unions? Where are their factories? 
do they employ third-party audits to ensure that their factories are providing safe labor conditions? Um, you know, I could go on for a few more minutes, but we look into all of that for every single brand. And if they don't pass a certain threshold, we just don't work with them. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's great. And so, like, how do you work with them? Like, are you going to get, like, I don't know, like, affiliate links? Is that... Is that how it works? Yeah, that is essentially how it works. Exactly. So basically, it'll just be a click-through process. You can shop on their site, and you'll just have a link that copies and pastes. Okay. Okay. That's great. I mean, I think that's great. And it also yeah. like works to you know, elevate brands that deserve to be elevated. Because I do believe like when we where we spend our money how we spend our money really is a vote for our values and if you not only by withholding your money from crappy brands do you like affect their business model immediately by then you know pushing that money into brands companies that are actually doing things that are good you allow them to grow and mm-hmm. do more good And we're talking, too, about, you know, putting more money back into local economies as well. Lots of these are really cool brands. They're not multinational corporations. When you see money spent on these companies, you see money coming back directly to that local economy, whether it's to the community, the province, or outwards. Um, And then I think another topic that's closely tied to that is... When you're looking at these companies on our website, if you just want to glance and see the overall rating, that's cool. If that's all you need, that's fine. But we give you all the details. So the way we kind of staged it was like, okay, the people that just want to glance and see a percentage, perfect. The people that want a little bit more in depth, we have that information. And then in time, what we're hoping to have is a full downloadable report for exactly why we rated companies because at the end of the day, we just got really sick of um, just being targeted as consumers. You know, we're just everyday people like everyone else. And uh, we want to foster a community that is creates empowered citizens and individuals that can learn how to spot these greenwashing tactics too. So we tell you what we look for. We tell you how we rate the brand and you can get as much information as you want So I I think alongside creating ease, it's also about creating an empowered community that is just going to stand up and be like, no, you know, we're demanding transparency. We're demanding change now. Yeah, I totally agree. I I mean, we have so much power. The greenwashing wouldn't be as prevalent as it is right now if retailers mm-hmm. didn't realize that that's what we care about. It's really unfortunate that they – I mean, they all they all kind of do it wrong in the same way. Like, they all have mm-hmm. the same tricks and lingo, and they only ever talk about, like, one fabric that's a part of this whole thing. And, yeah. you know, yeah. it's like the H&M thing. I – I found I stumbled across a, like a Reddit thread where someone was like, "Something just doesn't add up with the H and M take back <laughs> program," and I was like, "Oh man, should I even get involved with this?" Like, I have oh. so many feelings there. Like, yeah, you're right, but I I think that uh, they've all you know, fast fashion loves to copy and they love to copy one another too, and so they've yeah. all copied the same dumb tricks which is great because you can see through them. And when you learn to look for what to look for, you can start to see what's there and what's not very easily and help others 
sort it all out too. Yeah. And and we had this conversation when we were developing the idea, you know, it's a lot of doom and gloom. Like we, we talked about before it can get heavy. How do you, how do you communicate this message of, holy shit, (laughs) (laughs) this is, this is really bad without, you know, instilling some sort of hope. So our, 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 a message isn't you as the individual are doing horrible things and you need to shop better. It's like, no, here's the information of, of what's going on. We want to help educate as many people as we can. We want you send this to your friends as a resource to use, you know, and then with that sort of collective action and, and empowerment just kind of fosters this hope. Um, that I've been riding the coattails of that because, yeah, it can get a little bit heavy sometimes. So we're really, our message is definitely like, we're not coming for you as the individual. We're co- we're coming after these industries mm-hmm. and uh, we're banding together because we're just really, really sick and tired of being targeted as a mindless consumer because, no, <laughs> thank you very much. We are empowered citizens. I mean, I love that because <laughs> I see people turning on one another yeah. within yeah. the realm of environmentalism, sustainability yeah. all the time on yeah. social media. Yeah, and you media. just can't do it. You just cannot do that. And I think it it goes into like this idea of like demanding perfection from one another mm-hmm. and ourselves, sets us up for failure, for feeling overwhelmed and defeated and deciding, no, you're going to go to bat for Amazon in a fight with someone on a TikTok video. I mean, yeah. it's like – ridiculous right and ultimately like I think and I feel so optimistic about all of the changes that we can all make together yeah by being supportive by gaining as much knowledge as we can about sharing that with other people and being welcoming to other people who want to do something better too yeah, and and right now we're in the middle of a, a social media campaign, and it's it's called Fast Fashion: A Horror Story. And uh, you know, if, if you go to our Facebook page, it's We Are Tuya, and um, it, it, we go through the environmental destruction. So our water sources and the ocean, the waste in our landfills, the reliance on fossil fuels, and we go into um, the humanitarian aspects of fast fashion. So women specifically, children specifically, systematic poverty. Uh, We go into the psychology of influencers, so parasocial relationships and the return rates of these fast fashion companies. Oh, don't get me started. (laughs) Yeah. I know. And and so in a lot of the reels that I've been posting, I I call them my rants. So I I do like an infographic and then I'll just do a little bit of a rant, which is more humorous. Um, (laughs) And... uh, but in a lot of them, like, I definitely reiterate the fact, like, hey, <laughs> I'm not coming after you. I'm coming after the industries. We're just educating around here. Exactly. And, and exactly. we're just trying to bring a little bit of light while still, you know, reviewing the vast interconnected devastation that this industry is wreaking havoc on the world. Because, you know, when you really look into it, it's it's so full scope of you know, it just fast fashion touches everything. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it really does. It really does. And I think I I can see how 
the business model of fast fashion, the the social media model that is fast fashion, ha- these things have permeated every aspect of our lives, whether it's like what we eat, where we travel, the things in our houses, uh, you know, personal care products, cars, furniture, yeah. everything has become like fast fashionified. Oh, yeah. And it's time, it's time for us to say no, no more. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And again, that's where we tie back into just like that empowered individual. Like, you know, a lot of these companies too, uh, not necessarily good on you or, and I'm not going to name any names, but, um, you know, we could talk about tree washing and carbon neutrality that everyone's jumping on as oh, of lately. I know. You know, like plant a tree for every purchase or we're carbon neutral. Um, but here we have a subscription that we want you to purchase and we'll invest in carbon offsets for you and, and you can live this guilt-free life and jet set around the world and not have to worry about it because you've sucked that carbon out of the atmosphere. But that's I, not real. That's like, no. that's, it's not like you're paying for access to a vacuum that sucks carbon out. I know. Yeah, I swear, I saw a bottle of soda last week at the store yeah. that said it was carbon neutral yeah. and it was in a yeah. plastic bottle. So yeah. probably not. And, yeah. And I, I can't believe we're just getting to carbon offsets and tree planting now because yeah, we, we have a few, um, there's again, not going to mention names, but um, summer 2021, one business popped up and, um, they're partnering with a lot of companies and they're selling a subscription for carbon offsets. And, um, it's just, it's, it's, um, taking advantage of the lack of knowledge around these concepts to make people feel like they're really doing a good thing, but also withholding, it's like you're withholding informed consent, Mm -hmm. but you're saying, buy this and feel better about your lifestyle. And it's it's just ludicrous and borderline unethical. And it makes me so mad. <laughs> me too. Um, it is. I think it, it's not even borderline unethical. It, it is, is unethical. It's like, it's like the uh, snake oil of yeah. environmentalism. Yeah. Because oh, it doesn't, that, yes. it's not real. It's not That's real. That's the perfect way to describe it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, all these companies coming out. And, and so when I explain it to friends and stuff, I, I sort of say, you know, uh, the biggest oil companies could claim carbon neutrality. But and when you when you put it on that scale, people kind of realize, oh, okay, well, like, no, they're still going to be emitting that level of carbon. And then also, and, and don't do not get me wrong, these are good programs that should be a part of a tool belt. But it's also programs that are, um, you know, the carbon effect that they will have will not occur for many years in the future, especially tree planting programs, you know? Oh my Um, God, I know. And, and (laughs) so (laughs) living, living in, in British Columbia, that's one of our, our biggest industries is, is forestry. And we have been burning to the ground every summer. Um, it's getting really, really bad year after year. And so when we talk about tree planting, so we've lost so much of our biodiversity because they just plant monocultures. And then Mm -hmm. on top of that, so where are these, what kind of trees are being planted? Where is it promoting biodiversity? What kind of company is planting these trees? And then the biggest question is so many of these trees aren't going to live to the age where they will start to sequester carbon 
because they're going to burn because we're not making changes now. So the biggest thing is, yeah, carbon offsets and, and tree planting, they, they are a tool and they're good for the future, but we need to change our habits now. So we need to buy less, we need to buy better, and we need to protect the nature. So yeah, I, I could I could rant for days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, these are just tricks. The tree planting one has been around for a while. I feel like the carbon offset is a new thing. Another one that I've been mm-hmm. seeing a lot is like, it's like plastic waste offset where people are trying to be plastic neutral, not by like eliminating plastic from their supply chain or reducing their plastic packaging or anything like that. But like uh, allegedly by saying like, okay, I'm selling you this soda in a plastic bottle, but guess what? I'm going to pull a plastic bottle worth of plastic out of the ocean. And that's, that's not real math. No, like, no, that's net zero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're not actually removing anything. Right, that's this just... isn't like a good thing. That plastic bottle was already there, and now we just made another one. So yeah. we still have two plastic bottles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I'm... there's a lot. Of, I think like, honestly, if it seems too good to be true, and the world of like sustainability, definitely a word that's been ruined, it probably is. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Let's take a moment to thank a new supporter of Close Horse, Athletic Greens. They have a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because it's important that I feel as healthy and energized as possible if I'm going to be able to do all the stuff I need to do in a given day, from working my day job to creating Close Horse to reading my ever-growing mountain of books. This means I need a supplement that fits into my life easily and is actually enjoyable to take. I've taken some very unenjoyable supplements. For a while, it seemed like half my suitcase for every business trip was just bottles of vitamins, and AG1 has changed my life because it only takes up a tiny, tiny bit of space in my bag, and I really enjoy taking it. Who says that about a supplement? I have never said that before, but I mean it. I've been on it for a few months now, and I love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It has a kind of mild tropical with a hint of vanilla taste that I actually look forward to each morning. I'm I'm serious. I, I'm excited to drink it in the morning. So you're probably asking, like, what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all of the things you care about. It's very lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, or only Taco Bell, AG1 fits for you. It also costs you less than $3 a day. It's way cheaper, trust me, I did the math, than getting all of the different supplements yourself, which I appreciate as a very thrifty person. I also love that I'm skipping all of the plastic packaging ways for all of the supplements I was taking in the past. So many containers. I am not an athlete. When I do work out, it's in very uncool pajamas. But AG1 is a small micro habit with big benefits for me. It's one thing I can do every single day to take great care of myself. 
For every purchase, Athletic Greens donates to organizations helping to get nutritious food to kids in need, including No Kid Hungry here in the United States. In 2020 alone, AG donated over 1.2 million meals to kids. My other vitamins weren't doing anything for anybody else except filling up my suitcase. Right now is a great time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. Shake it up and enjoy it. There's no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. Seriously, the first thing I do every morning, well, first I feed the cats, but then I mix up my scoop of of AG1 with some water. I shake it up and I sit on the couch and drink it while I listen to NPR and it is delightful. To make it easy, because I know you're so jealous, you want to try this now, Athletic Greens is going to offer you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash clotheshorse. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash clotheshorse to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I'm just curious, like, what are some brands that through this process, your opinion, you really changed your opinion of them? Oh, my gosh. Off the top of my head, I've been focusing on social media all day. I have to think about this a little bit. (laughs) Um, Gosh, I suppose, you know what? I don't even have an answer for you right now. Okay. That's fine. Maybe (laughs) as we're talking, I'll tell you some that I've sort of, like, uh, Some I was, like, sort of skeptical of in the first place, but over time, like, changed. Like, one is Girlfriend Collective. Okay. Um, I think I – from moment one, I felt really weird about how a lot of their clothes were made out of recycled plastic bottles, which is, you know, is kind of scammy in itself. We talked about it on the podcast before that, you know – it's not something that needs to be happening. What we need to be happening is fabric made of other fabric, not fabric made of plastic bottles that yeah, then can't be recycled again, right? Well, well, that's it. And all the recycled plastic clothing does is drive up the demand for recycled plastic. It doesn't do anything about, like you said, the, the production of polyester or the actual production of general plastics on Earth. Like, we, we need to focus on the source. Right, right. And I think for a lot of people, whether they're conscious of it or not, they hear that there's clothes out there being made of plastic bottles. And then, you know, maybe in situations where they wouldn't have taken a bottle, a plastic bottle of water, like at an event or something, they're like, well, whatever, it's going to turn into pants, right? Yes. And and that's so true. And that kind of comes with like the superiority complex of donations, right? Like, it's okay, I'm going to donate it, not realizing that it's ending up on the shores of Ghana at the rate of 15 million pieces per week. Right, right. So that's one, like, basically, I would say two years ago, I had really strange feelings about brands in general that were really leaning on making clothes out of plastic bottles. And Mm -hmm. now I'm like, that's greenwashing. You know, you're not telling the whole story. And the other thing that kind of troubles me about Girlfriend Collective is I feel like they operate like a fast fashion company. Mm -hmm. They're really churning out product all the time. So that's one where like my, as I've learned more, my feelings have changed. Um, another one for me, which is pretty similar because this is another company that puts a lot of content out in the world about making clothes out of recycled plastic is Parade. Okay. The yeah. underwear company. Yeah. They, they feel really sketchy to me too. Like I, I'll be honest. I, f- 
I stumbled across a Reddit thread where people mm-hmm. were talking about like, is Parade ethical or not? Yeah. And one person was like, honestly, I think they're the biggest greenwashers of all because they use crazy amounts of packaging and mm-hmm. like they, you know, are pushing me to buy new underwear like every day. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing to look into or, you know, like if I could say one thing when when you're reviewing a company and you're not sure and, uh, you know, watch out for Tuya in a few months because you're going to be able to hop on there and we'll help you. But in the meantime, <laughs> it, it, if, if you see a brand that's just um, really, really heavily uh, promoting one aspect of their business that like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's just that one business practice that they're pushing. Like we only use recycled materials. Okay. But how big is your supply chain and do you assess your carbon footprint? And, you know, we go into like social justice, like what are your advertising? Um, you know, so it goes beyond environmental and it, and it goes into human rights because, sustainability I'm going to go on a little tangent here um (laughs) I've I've even grown to kind of dislike the term sustainability because it's it's just thrown around so loosely and and, I know and and so when I use it I think it has to be sustainable for the people and sustainable for the earth so when you look at a company like oh my gosh what is I don't even like to to follow these brands, but what is Kim Kardashian's name? Is it is Skims? Is that Skims, it? Skims, yes. Oh yes. my god! And of course, like I have to go to the website and look, and they're so. I think it's just uh, really heavily based on the materials that they use. So, like lesson one hundred and one, if they're just really heavy, heavily focusing on that, and then there's no mention of human rights, or there's no mention of. Uh, internal evaluation of carbon emissions and if there's no goals for five years down the road it's just the biggest red flag and as I'm saying that I actually remember that they they um, actually do talk about human rights in their factories but this is where we tie in the third-party verifications because then those are just words because they've actually been caught um, you know overseas sketchy business practices within their factories uh, not so surprised. It's, not yeah, surprised. Yeah. So it's so convoluted and it, and it's so in depth. But yeah, lesson one hundred and one. If you're if you're looking at a brand and you're not sure and they're just really weighing on one topic and one business practice, that's your uh, that's your first indication. But we're seeing some really really cool self assessments and um, um, goals for businesses that are industry leaders in sustainability so for their people for their product for the earth and it's really inspiring and really awesome and we're so excited to start sharing these companies yeah I'm excited for it you know yeah. I was in a I was in a car a lot a very long car ride with a co-worker yesterday and you know we we were going off on a whole tangent like it started with paper bags and then it went into yeah. like people making clothes out of recycled bottles and then you know, she said to me, like, Amanda, do you think a business can be truly sustainable and ethical even as it grows in size? And mm-hmm. I said, yeah, I actually truly believe that. But I think you have to be committed to that from day one and really passionate about it. And I see a lot of brands out there that I think ultimately we've all come to recognize as being very greenwashy, like mm-hmm. Everlane, for example. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Right? Who, like – that's a guy, like, it was founded by a guy who, you know, has neither a background in uh, clothing or sustainability, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, saw it as a marketing, yeah, as a exactly. marketing thing. And 
if you're coming at it like doing the right thing is a marketing story, mm-hmm. it's always going to fall by the wayside as your business grows, right? It's just you're not going to – if you're not really living it from the ground up, it's going to fall apart. Or like I, I think of like Reformation, which has had just so many – Oh, yeah. So many issues, right? Like especially – Especially when we talk about, like, the human aspect of it, right? And um, they've been, like, there's been whispers about them being bad news for a really long time, like, since their early days for other people who worked in the fashion industry in L.A. Like, it was sort of a known fact that it was kind of a scam. Yeah. But it's also important to call out that when Reformation started, it was with the plan of being like so-called sustainable fast fashion, which is an oxymoron. Yeah, that those two terms do not exist. Right. So <laughs> when you coexist. come to, when you come to the table with a plan that is either like doesn't make any sense, like reformation, or isn't truly with doing what's right at the center, of course it falls apart at some point, and you become really reliant on like harping about like pants made out of recycled bottles. Like it just. It just never is real. Like, because then, like, oh, sure, maybe maybe you're using these so-called sustainable fabrics, which we know aren't, but then you're not caring about the people who make the stuff yeah. or sell the stuff, the people working in the retail stores and yeah. the warehouses. It, it's like you have to really be in it and truly believe it and never, and never walk away from it in order to keep your business ethical the whole yeah. way, a whole yeah. time. Yeah, exactly. And, and – um, also I think we have this, this mindset too, because we're, you know, good old late stage capitalism and, and the world that we live in, <laughs> especially in North America, I think there's, um, not necessarily misconception, but just ingrained beliefs over time that like, okay, the people trying to do the good thing, you'll be off on the fringe and, you know, kind of good luck to you really like, so many of these business, big businesses have been made off the back of other people. You know, that's why fast fashion, they're, you know, multi-billion dollar corporations and have, you know, essentially enslaved women in the global south. But I think there's so many cool brands that just from the get-go um, have, are designed and produced and not just minimum wages, but living wages. And, um, you know, they assess their carbon footprint and they have a very small supply chain and like it can be done and also big businesses too it it it's really really uh lovely to see a different perspective from the side of these big businesses that are making their shifts because when you're looking at extensive supply chains it's very hard to Mm -hmm. pivot in a totally different direction but it can and it is being done and Actually, coming, I, I listened to one of your latest podcasts yesterday, and I actually, I'm so sad. I, I left my notebook at my friend's house, and it's like tearing me apart because I always love to have my notebook on me. I really wanted to write, write down what you said, but I guess what I want to say is that it can and it is being done. And so what we're trying to do is bring this to the limelight because in your podcast that I listened to yesterday, you were talking about, you know, we have this feeling a lot of the times that as a single individual, we can't do a lot, but like collective action is massive. And that's how you shift money from these detrimental business practices to the guys that care about the planet from the get go. Like it can Mm -hmm. be really inspiring and really hopeful and really empowering all at once. And, um, 
we're really trying to hold on to that feeling because, you know, in the world of sustainability, there's a lot going wrong, really. You can say sometimes <laughs> it can be, you know, it can be a little bit of a, a heavy, heavy burden on your back. Mm-hmm. It's true. I mean, it's just like more bad news every yeah. day, yes. right? And it beca- it can become so much easier to just cover your ears and mm-hmm. pretend you don't know that any of this is happening. But I do believe, I mean, one of the reasons I started Close Horse is because in my career working on the other side as a as a buyer, yeah, I saw and and knew how every decision we made was steered by money. Yeah. And if customers didn't buy something, we never bought that again, yes. right? And if they did buy something, we bought a million more of that and we, you know, we began if we saw like business slowing down considerably, you know, we would we would try to figure out what it was. Like, did we need to have less expensive stuff, more expensive stuff? Did we need to have more clothes for a festival? Like, yeah. you know, there were, there were all, it was always about us, like, reacting because, like, for these businesses, their biggest fear is not making money. And, and that's it. And look at the origins of greenwashing, too. You know, like, big companies have clued in that people want sustainability. I think it's 70% of people will spend an extra, I can't remember the exact dollar amount, but 70% of people, let's just say, will spend an extra $10 on a sustainable product. So we, you can very easily understand why these companies are jumping or piggybacking off of these greenwashing taglines um, because it's, it's, yeah, it's what the people want. And so it, it's... Um, it's a daunting time, but it's a really exciting time. And uh, yeah, I was, yeah. was talking with a friend today and it's like, you know, <laughs> maybe it's too heavy to say, but sometimes it feels like in terms of, you know, the environment and, and the goals we need to achieve to turn things around, it feels a little bit too late. But I was like, I'm not going to go out without kicking and screaming. You know, I'm... I'm <laughs> Absolutely, we cannot give up. I definitely see, I see that very faulty line of thinking all yes. over the place on social media where it's like it's too late or I'm sorry but my impact will never be that of yeah. Amazon so why bother yeah I'm just gonna give up and go buy 50 things from Shein and it's like no no don't do that yeah and don't if, do that if I can just you know if if not I if Arnu and I can just change a couple's people or a couple people's you know um, way of thinking away from apathy towards like, no, collectively we can make a difference and we can shift these business practices, then I've, I've done my work, you know? If I can just Absolutely. help a few people by creating a tool where they can feel better about their purchases. Um, but, you know, I should say too, our, our ethos is definitely, do you need it? Mm-hmm. Do you have something similar? Can you buy it secondhand? If not, if you really need to buy something new, let us help you. Here, yeah. shop these companies. Because I, I think, too, like, you know, we could just dive into the topic of overconsumption as well. Like, over the last 20 years, our our mindsets have just shifted to such... It, and it's hard to get out of that mindset, you know? Like, yesterday, yesterday I was in the pharmacy. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so cute. Oh, my gosh, that's so cute. And... Uh, have you spoken with Ashley Piper before? No, I haven't. She's incredible. And uh, she's doing this no new things for a year challenge for all of her following. And uh, I, she popped into my head and I was like, I don't need this. But we're just so accustomed to 
to buying more and buying more and buying more. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, sorry. I went on a little bit of tangent there. <laughs> no, and I think, you know, I think because some of this, all of this can feel very overwhelming. It can feel very depressing. It can feel like the weight of all of it is just like smushing you into the ground. You're never going to be able to get back up and do better. I think that, you know, I like what you're saying about, you know, if even a few people hear this Mm -hmm. and they get motivated, you know, that spreads like wildfire. Yeah. But furthermore, making it easier when we can for others, I think is really important. Like the greenwashing out there is so – it is so intense. Like oh, we can know, we can even call it impressive. Like they're cl- it's really impressive. They're clever. <laughs> like it's just, and it's layers upon layers. And I've actually been for a while really pondering and kind of like thinking through and you know, writing what will be like a future episode or a post or something about how the fashion media and just media as a whole is really amplifying greenwashing in such a huge, like, it's like a megaphone. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, like if I, one of the times I fell for greenwashing that really for me, like solidified just how challenging it is Mm -hmm. for the average person was, you know, I'd heard that cactus leather, so-called cactus leather, leather, was fully biodegradable mm-hmm. and is like, you know, not no plastic products whatsoever. And I was like, wow, that's really amazing. And honestly, if you sat down and opened a browser window and typed into Google, uh, you know, cactus leather biodegradable or cactus leather plastic free, you would surely find 20 to 30 pages of results telling you how great cactus leather is and something that I noticed as I went on this journey was like wow wait it's kind of like every article is saying everything in the exact same way and then I was like wait no literally they're all using the exact like they're it's like they're copies of one another and then I realized I got to like page 20 of my search results and I realized that all of them were parroting and it was like blog yeah, posts like from one all press of place. release right and one then, press like, yeah. release yeah I found the press release yeah. and then I was like okay yeah here it now is. what <laughs> yeah. so it took me probably another 30 minutes yep. of really combing the website for the cactus leather company with a fine tooth comb to find one sentence where they finally say you know it's not fully made of plant products it does contain you know like pvc or pu something like that yeah. Um, as a coating, because I was like, nothing's adding up. I know why faux leather is the way it is and, and why it often contains plastic. And yeah. it, like, I was like, it's just not adding up. And I finally found like the one sentence buried deep within their website that really was like, oh, yeah, no, it's not plastic free and it's not biodegradable. Yeah. And I thought like, I just spent, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes to figuring this out. The average person is not going to do that when they need a pair of shoes no. or a pair of underwear or a swimsuit or, you know, clothes for work. They're they're not going to do it. And that's why greenwashing is so successful. It's not just that the brands are – because it's not even – like, honestly, the brands aren't doing a good job of it. What's happening is it's being repeated so much that it feels real. Yeah. And, and I think, too, um, I'm – it could be said that, you know, I get a little bit – upset sometimes because they're really just capitalizing on the fact that 
we're just too busy, you know, like, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, coming from the, the millennial, you know, it, it's a hard job market and things are expensive and we don't have time. And then we have these brands over here with a megaphone and it's just really coming to light all of the greenwashing, you know, it's, we, we kind of used to have this trust with these companies of like, well, they wouldn't necessarily lie to me. And, you know, we're kind of pulling back the curtain now and going, well, wait a second. And, you know, it, it's really eye opening to see like, no, no, we're just, uh, maybe that's naive of me to say, but, um, you know, it, it is really based around, um, just based around profits and greenwashing. And, and I also want to say too, like, I never want to come out here and say that, we're always striving to be perfect and I'm the most perfect consumer ever. <laughs> I'm in, uh, in the grocery store and I love prawns. I love e- eating shrimp. And, uh, you know, you see those little third party verifications or ocean wise or this oh, green little tick on, on the bag or the, you know, vacuum sealed bag of fish that you want to get. And it's so funny because, you know, I, my, my business partner jokes that he's created a monster out of me because I've just become a little bit ruthless with rating these companies and uh, I'm getting so much better. But in terms of food, you know, I'm, I'm not super aware. And, and uh, so I'll, I'll be grocery shopping and I'll send him a photo. I'll be like, Oh, look, I just found these. And like, what do you think of this certification? And, and uh, you know, I try not to buy a lot of fish and I, I try not to buy a lot of meat, but um, he just sends, sends me a message back and it's just like, Janice, that sentence doesn't even make sense. Like, how could you fall for that? And I was like, it, it looked convincing to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, yeah, I never want to sit over here and pretend like I'm the most perfect consumer ever. But, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's really, really hard. Sometimes I'm like, man, I just like want to eat. I just want to eat some food. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> sometimes you, you just have to let yourself too. And, and mm-hmm. coming back to sort of carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. Um, you sometimes just eat the steak, you know, eat the dairy. And also for fast fashion, if you really need something, get it, but just try and hold on to the piece as long as you can. Because if you are buying fast fashion, just understand it's probably going to end up in a landfill it's not going to um, biodegrade and it's probably going to turn toxic and it's probably going to burden the global south. So just keep it as long as possible and be just a little bit mindful about it. You know, like we're not all ever going to be perfect. Absolutely. I think that is really good advice because I think like what is the, what is the saying? It's like don't let perfection be the the enemy of good basically yeah. like if I can't be perfect I'm not gonna this, bother I'm, yeah yeah and that is what happens a lot and I I see like for example someone tagged a close horse on a, a TikTok video mm-hmm. today and they're like you know I've been really thinking more and more about this and I'm not gonna buy as much stuff anymore yeah. and blah 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 and someone's commented like a bunch of people comment actually like oh really then are you gonna stop posting videos of you wearing clothes from Urban Outfitters yeah. are you gonna get rid of all your fast yeah, fashion exactly. And she was like, no, that's the point of it. I'm going to keep this stuff and wear it as long as possible. And I think we get so in our head that we set ourselves up for failure by like, oh, man, I ended up buying a bra at Target. Now I give up. Now I'm going to go buy a Keurig and I'm only going to drink bottles of water. (laughs) And like, you know, and it's like, no, no, no. Like it's, it's okay. I think that 
One of the most important things that any of us can do is lead by example and share what we know because even if someone says, I don't care what you say, I'm still getting a Shein haul Mm -hmm. next week, Mm -hmm. there is going to be this little seed Mm -hmm. planted in their brain when they hear what you said or what you shared that will make them think and will change behavior tomorrow, next week, next year. Who knows? You could be the person who starts that for them. Yeah, yeah. So long as they they start to think about it, you know, it it is so important. And yeah, you get that thought process going. But yeah, for for us at Tuya, it's uh, like, you know, um, our website is actually, you know, a portion of it is launching tomorrow. So that's super exciting. So by the time this episode airs, people will be able to go and check us out and see what we do and, and see the conservation efforts that we support. Um, but you know, when you go to our website, it just, it's by less, by better mm-hmm. protect mm-hmm. nature. So if you just keep that in the back of your head, like, ah, oh, I went on vacation, I forgot a bathing suit. Like, okay, well, we're not going to tell you to go naked, go to target, get that bathing suit, but then, you know, just keep it for as long as you can. And then if that bathing suit falls apart, because it inevitably will, then just be a little bit more conscious within your next purchase. And, um, yeah, also surround yourself with different influencers too. Like I know the rogue essentials on, uh, Instagram. I absolutely love her. She's like conventional fast fashion influencer gone green and Uh just outfit repeating and capsule closets. And it's, it's just such great inspiration. Like the other day I, um, went through my closet And I turned like, you know, I just kind of, I'm kind of the person over the years that my friends just give their old clothes to. (laughs) I I don't, (laughs) I don't know why I've ended up being that person, but um, especially I go back home to Alberta. My friend's like, oh, I've got a bag of clothes for you. And I'm like, okay, sure. I'll sort through them. So I had all these leggings that I'd never worn and I don't buy a lot new. Um, And so I was like, you know, I haven't really bought into the bike short trend yet. And I just sat for a few hours and like snipped the legs off of these leggings that I didn't necessarily like the fit off. And now I have like five pairs of cute bike shorts. Great. And it's so fun to do. Someone might hear or see that you did that and get that idea for themselves. Yes. Good. God knows there are a lot of leggings at the thrift stores here in the United States, like all the LuLuRoe and, and Lululemon oh, and yeah. whatnot. Like there's so much. Let's take a moment to thank some of the incredible small businesses who keep Close Horse going via their generous Patreon support. Selena Sanders, a social impact brand that specializes in upcycle clothing using only reclaimed vintage or thrifted materials from tea towels, linens, blankets, and quilts. Sustainably crafted in Los Angeles, each piece is designed to last in one's closet for generations to come. Maximum style, minimal carbon footprint. Shift clothing out of beautiful Astoria, Oregon, with a focus on natural fibers, simple hardworking designs, and putting fat people first. Discover more at shiftwheeler.com. Late to the party, creating one-of-a-kind statement clothing from vintage, salvaged, and thrifted textiles. They hope to tap into the dreamy memories we all hold. Floral curtains, a childhood dress, the wallpaper in your best friend's rec room all while creating modern, sustainable garments that you'll love wearing and have for years to come. 
Late to the Party is passionate about celebrating and preserving textiles, the memories they hold, and the stories they have yet to tell. Check them out on Instagram at Late to the Party People. Vino Vintage, based just outside of LA. We love the hunt of shopping secondhand because you never know what you might find. Catch us at flea markets around Southern California by following us on Instagram at vino.vintage so you don't miss our next event. Gabriella Antonis is a visual artist and an ethical trade fashion designer. But Gabriella is also a radical feminist micro business. She's the one woman band trying to help you understand why slow fashion is what the earth needs. The one woman band to help you build your own brand. She can take your fashion line from just a concept and do your sketches, pattern making, grading, sourcing, cutting, and sewing. The second option is for those who aren't trying to start a business and who just want ethical garments. Gabriella Antonis will create custom made to measure garments just for you. Her goal is to help one person of any size at a time, including beyond size 40. To inquire about this serendipitous intersectional offering of either concept, DM her on Instagram to book a consultation. Please follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Gabriella Antonis. And that's Gabriella with one L. Gotta get that spelling right. Dylan Page is an online clothing and lifestyle brand based out of St. Louis, Missouri. Our products are chosen with intention for the conscious community. Everything we carry is animal-friendly, ethically made, sustainably sourced, and cruelty-free. Dylan Page is for those who never stop questioning where something comes from. We know that personal experience dictates what's sustainable for you, and we are here to help guide and support you to make choices that fit your needs. Check us out at dylanpage.com and find us on Instagram at dylanpagelifeandstyle. Salt Hats, purveyors of truly sustainable hats, hand-blocked, sewn, and embellished in Detroit, Michigan. Find us on Instagram at Salt Hats. Gentle Vibes Vintage. We are purveyors of polyester and psychedelic relics. We encourage experimentation and play, not only in your wardrobe, but in your home too. We have thousands of killer vintage pieces ready for their next adventure. See them all on Instagram at Gentle Vibes Vintage. Thumbprint is Detroit's only fair trade marketplace located in the historic Eastern Market. Our small business specializes in products handmade by empowered women in South Africa, making a living wage, creating things they love like hand-painted candles and ceramics. We also carry a curated assortment of sustainable and natural locally made goods. Thumbprint is a great gift destination for both the special people in your life and for yourself. Browse our online store at thumbprintdetroit.com and find us on Instagram at thumbprintdetroit. High Energy Vintage is a fun and funky vintage shop located in Somerville, Massachusetts, just a few minutes away from downtown Boston. They offer a highly curated selection of bright and colorful clothing and accessories from the 1940s to the 1990s for people of all genders. Husband and wife duo Wiley and Jessamy handpick each piece for quality and style with a focus on pieces that transcend trends and will find a home in your closet for many years to come. In addition to clothing, the shop also features a large selection of vintage vinyl and old school video games. Find them on Instagram at High Energy Vintage, online at highenergyvintage.com, and at markets in and around Boston. 
Vagabond Vintage DTLV is a vintage clothing, accessories, and decor reselling business based in downtown Las Vegas, Nevada. Not only do we sell in Las Vegas, but we're also located throughout resale markets in San Francisco, as well as at a curated boutique called Lux and Ivy located in Indianapolis, Indiana. Jessica, the founder and owner of Vagabond Vintage DTLV, recently opened the first IRL location located in the Arts District of downtown Las Vegas on August 5th. The shop has a strong emphasis on 60s and 70s garments, single-stitch tees, and dreamy loungewear. Follow them on Instagram at Vagabond Vintage DTLV and keep an eye out for their website coming fall of 2022. You know, there's one brand that um, has, you know, climbed to fame based on the we plant a tree for every purchase. And I visited their website not too long ago, and they're now selling carbon offsets with literally the phrasing of feel better about your next international flight. And it's just, it, it's, I just, I can't, I can't handle it. You know, it's the blatant capitalization off of, the uneducation of these topics or the fact that we live too busy of lives and we've been taken advantage of to really, you know, educate ourselves around these topics. And yeah, I just, it really, it really grinds my gears. Absolutely. And I will just tell everyone who's listening that anybody can start a business that plants a tree for everything they sell because there's there are also companies out there that offer the service of ostensibly planting the tree for every purchase and you the yeah. business owner pay them. It's so someone's also getting rich off of this tree planting scheme in addition to the retailer and I totally know what brand you're talking about cuz they're super <laughs> yeah. greenwashy. Every time there's like it's like they've been coming up a lot now on lists of like this brand greenwashes but it it took a few years, I think. Do you know what? I that's and again I I'm, I'm not super into calling out at this point, you know, but that now that I'm going to circle back to the are there any companies that you thought were super great and then realized after the fact? Mm-hmm. That was one that I looked at and went Oh my gosh. So this brand, um, which we're not going to say, but it is a brand that I would say is, it's been around like maybe four or five years. It was definitely one of the earlier sustainable brands. And we actually, at my last job, carried that line because they really sold us like a lot of like false, false dreams, you know? And like I, they, they are one that people ask me about a lot and I have been seeing them slowly. People are starting to figure it out. Yeah. I I think too, if if we're going to come back to the identification of greenwashing, if so, it's like, it's, it's like asking, telling your, your kid not to get into the strange van with the man with candy. If someone tries to tell you, to sell you carbon offsets or say they're going to plant a tree with every purchase, immediately be a little, little bit hesitant. I would ask them about their <laughs> supply chain instead, and I would ask them about their employment practices instead. I don't care about offsets and trees. How do you treat your people? How big is your supply chain? Have you, you know, self-assessed your carbon emissions and then you're probably just going to get a big blank stare, you know? But oh. we, but we, but we plant trees. <laughs> right. Or we use less water, yeah. you know? Um, I would say, like, there are 
three or four brands that became like really came up in the last five years that are like just the worst green washers in clothing and they all do the same thing over and over again of like confusing you with like the materials they're using or these tree planting or like here's allegedly a photo of someone who works in our factory that kind of stuff but when you take a step back and really look at what they're doing they never really talk about how how they're paying people or caring for them they totally ship in like plastic poly bags yeah they do all kinds of other dumb stuff that is like very clearly like no tree planting is going to offset and they will often use fast fashion tricks to sell you as much stuff as possible as often as possible and the thing that what I consider the worst green washers in this area right now that one thing they all have in common is that like they are constantly in pursuit of exponential growth Mm -hmm. and they have been taking in a lot of VC and Mm -hmm. it's just about like growing, growing, growing that right there is where greenwashing takes hold. mm -hmm. And and it's a lot of vague language because again, Mm -hmm. A company can say whatever they want. So mm-hmm. they could talk a lot. They'll get the talk, most of them can talk in circles. Um, but it's very vague wording. And because it's such an important topic to a lot of people right now, one way that you can really tell is, you know, um, hop on a website of a truly sustainable brand. I'm just going to plug us again. Like, <laughs> come visit us in a couple of months and we'll help you. Because it's what people want, the brands doing it give the details. They tell you their policies. They tell you Absolutely. to reduce your shopping habits. They tell you they want you to wear their product for five years and only buy one at a time. You know, they tell you that they don't have 17 sales a year. Um, they're very forthcoming in depth about their business practices and that's, you know, one of the biggest differences is I have friends that come to me now and just sort of say like, oh, what about this brand? And, you know, they're like, I can't tell you right now, but I'll have a look at their website. And it's just vague, you know, sustainability jargon over and over again. And it's like, we treat our people like family. Okay, how? <laughs> how? You know, what audits do you use? What countries do you operate in? Is there any uh, legislation around living wages? Is there legislation against the discrimination of women in hiring practices? Um, you know, just if a brand is doing it because people want it, they will give you the details. Mm-hmm. So if it's mm-hmm. just a lot of vagueness, you, that's another thing to be really weary of. To- absolutely, absolutely. And I, like, I cannot emphasize enough that if people are doing things the right way, you will 100% hear about it. Yeah, exactly. Because it's worth bragging about. And yeah. these larger brands that sidestep it are consciously sidestepping it. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, they've hired some great copywriters that really <laughs> – That know? are really good at, like, non-committal language. Yeah, exactly. Like, words That's that sound is. nice but mean nothing. I, I know. It's, like, one of those things – once you start to recognize it, you see it everywhere and it's like nails on a chalkboard. Yeah. And it's, but it's such a good feeling. And I'm so excited to just, you know, create that for so many people. Like, let's just create. And so, you know, I'm like, 
sometimes I describe us, I'm like, we're, you know, we're fed up. We, we want to create an empowered community. And frankly, we're all a little bit angry. So <laughs> just create <laughs> an angry little army that can spot this greenwashing and collectively shift these business practices. And, you know, like I said before, bring money back into these local economies and not towards these businesses like Shein that, you know, profit these men and that comes down to it too. Like it's a few men that are profiting off of the backs of women's insecurities and off of women mm-hmm. in the global South. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. That's something that always struck me in the first few years of my career. I worked for a really big fast fashion company here mm-hmm. in the U S and, uh, we had like open seating. So everybody just sat at a, you know, it was like rows of like tables basically. Yeah. And everybody, but there were offices on one side of the building mm-hmm. and those were for executives. Mm-hmm. And everybody sitting in the open seating was a woman. Yeah. And everybody in the offices, the executives were men. Yeah. And there was this really paternalistic attitude towards mm-hmm. us in meetings. Like imagine you know, you're a business person, you're smart, you're an expert in what you do, and your boss is calling you honey or sweetie in a meeting. Yeah. You know, and it's not like this, I'm not talking about the 1950s. I'm talking about this century. And so I think it struck me early on that this company, this industry is built upon the labor of women Mm -hmm. and then the insecurities of women. And yes, People of all genders are sucked up into this, but like traditionally, historically, it has been built upon women. Yeah, yeah. And if we just focus on the fact that fast fashion really profits off of the insecurities of women, especially young women um, doing all of these fast fashion hauls and these micro trends. And then in some areas in the global south, 99 to 100% of these factory workers are women. You know, with mm-hmm. everything like, uh, man, we have so much sympathy for the for our sisters down in the States right now having Roe v. Wade um, overturned. Like, it's just, it's horrific. And so I, I think, um, you know, I get really passionate about the feminist aspect of the, f- like, tearing down <laughs> the fast fashion monolith um, because it really does just build up these, you know, male billionaires and off of the backs of women. And it mm-hmm. just drives me crazy. And a lot of people that I talk to, I'm like, if you just think of one thing, think of the woman that it affects, you know, and it, it's almost like diet culture, the beauty industry, like you need this, you need that, mm-hmm. you need mm-hmm. to buy into this, but all the while you're just buying a billionaire another yacht. Yeah, gross. Yeah, it's just not something I want to be Ugh. a part of anymore. <laughs> me neither, me neither. Well, it's been so awesome to talk to you. Do you have any, like, final parting words of advice or just, like, something you want to say to get everybody excited to go out there and build a better world? Yeah, I mean, I, w- I would just say that things can be a little bit heavy right now, but, you know, like you said in your podcast Uh, the more recent one, if we band together, like collective action is absolutely possible. Mm -hmm. And it does make a difference. And um, yeah, we'll be launching soon in a couple of months here. Well, as of tomorrow, you'll be able to visit our website, uh, see who who we are, what we're doing, and we'll start announcing brands. And we're actually doing a, a crowdfund campaign at the beginning of September as well. So 
yeah, we'll be we'll be all over social media um, ranting with a little dash of humor. So <laughs> awesome. I can't wait to see it. Awesome. Yeah, it was so <laughs> lovely to be here. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. If you're enjoying this episode, then this is a great time to remind you that my work here at Close Horse is made possible by the support of listeners like you, just like NPR, and these great small businesses. Please go give them your support. Blank Cass, or Blanket Coats by Cass, is focused on restoring, renewing, and reviving the history held within vintage and heirloom textiles by embodying the love, craft, and energy that is original to each vintage textile as I transfer it into a new garment, I hope we can reteach ourselves to care for and mend what we have and make it last. Blank Cass lives on Instagram at blank underscore Cass and a website will be launched soon at blankcass.com. Located in Whistler, Canada, Velvet Underground is a velvet jungle full of vintage and secondhand clothing, plants, a vegan cafe, and lots of rad products from other small sustainable businesses. Our mission is to create a brand and community dedicated to promoting self-expression, as well as educating and inspiring a more sustainable and conscious lifestyle, both for the people and the planet. Find us on Instagram at shop underscore velvet underground or online at www.shopvelvetunderground.com. St. Evans is a New York City-based vintage shop that is dedicated to bringing you those special pieces you'll reach for again and again. More than just a store, St. Evans is dedicated to sharing the stories and history behind the garments. 10% of all sales are donated to a different charitable organization each month. New Vintage is released every Thursday at wearstevens.com with previews of new pieces and more brought to you on Instagram at wear underscore st. Dot evens. That's where St. Evans. Country Feedback is a mom and pop record shop in Tarboro, North Carolina. They specialize in used rock, country, and soul and offer affordable vintage clothing and housewares. Do you have used records you want to sell? Country Feedback wants to buy them. Find us on Instagram at Country Feedback Vintage and Vinyl or head down east and visit our brick and mortar. All are welcome at this inclusive and family-friendly record shop in the country. Republica Unicornia Yarns. Handmade yarn and notions for the color obsessed. Made with love and some swearing in fabulous Atlanta, Georgia by head yarn wench Kathleen. Get ready for rainbows with a side of giving a damn. Republica Unicornia is all about making your own magic using small batch, responsibly sourced, hand-dyed yarns, and thoughtfully made notions. Slow fashion all the way down and discover the joy of creating your very own beautiful hand-knit, crocheted, or woven pieces. Find us on Instagram at republica underscore unicornia underscore yarns and at www.republicaunicornia.com. Picnicwear, a slow fashion brand ethically made by hand from vintage and dead stock materials, most notably vintage towels. 
Founder Danny has worked in the industry as a fashion designer for over 10 years, but started Picnic Wear in response to her dissatisfaction with the industry's shortcomings. Picnic Wear recently moved to rural North Carolina, where all their sewing and accessories are now designed and cut, but the majority of their sewing is done by skilled garment workers in New York City. Their customers take comfort in knowing that all their sewists are paid well above New York City minimum wage. Picnic Wear offers minimal waste and maximum authenticity. Future vintage over future garbage. Cute Little Ruin is an online shop dedicated to providing quality vintage and secondhand clothing, vinyl, and home items in a wide range of styles and price points. If it's ethical and legal, we try to find a home for it. Vintage style with progressive values. Find us on Instagram at Cute Little Ruin. The Pewter Thimble is a curated secondhand shop based out of Rome, Italy. Owner Desiree Marie Townley has a background in costuming and makeup for dance and opera and focuses on dressing for the character you want to be in the world. Curated collections are dropped in a story sale and always have a specialized theme, like the color palette of Starry Night, the film classic Casablanca, and the children's novel The Secret Garden. Desiree works with local artisans, and pieces are rescued from markets and rehabilitated and resold with worldwide shipping. The Pewter Thimble is a collection of pieces that will have eternal style from the eternal city. Discover more on Instagram at The Pewter Thimble. Thanks to Janice for spending some time with me. It was lovely. And, you know, Janice had a cough and was taking cough medicine. And I feel like she did a really great job. Anyway, I would hope that no one would ever record me under the influence of Robitussin. (laughs) As Janice mentioned, Tuya is getting ready to start its crowdfunding campaign. And I will share the link to that in the show notes. Please, please go check it out and sign up for email notifications. Uh, Later, after we recorded this convo, Janice told me, quote, with crowdfunding, we are hoping to enhance our user experience and start looking at app development, as well as expanding our team and our rating capabilities and covering the cost of some expensive industry-specific software. I have no doubt that doing this right costs a lot of money. And this is a great project for all of us to support. I I'm obsessed with helping others have access to helpful information that allows them to make better decisions when it's time to buy something new. So I will definitely be supporting Tuya's crowdfunding. When I think about all the brands in the past that I held in high esteem or shopped regularly and loyally or went to first when I needed something and what I've learned about them since then, I'm glad. I'm glad that I know now. And you know what? I want that for other people because so many people have so many emotions, so much connection tied up in a lot of these fast fashion brands that it's not fair. It's not fair to them because that loyalty, that goodwill that they have towards those brands is never being reciprocated to the rest of the world by those brands. I'm here for any time we can shatter someone's illusions about fast fashion. As I say constantly, the fashion industry thrives on feelings of insecurity and being left out. That's how we end up getting so emotionally wrapped up in some of these brands, right? And when you feel bad about yourself, you buy more stuff. You ascribe feelings and an emotional connection to a brand. 
A brand that isn't serving you or anyone else very well, right? Slow fashion is the exact opposite. Slow fashion is a thoughtful approach to style and clothing that considers the processes and resources required to produce clothing. Slow fashion is all about doing your own thing, having your own personal style. No style is wrong, right? All style is right. And the slow fashion community values the fair treatment of people, animals, and the planet. We support one another and we avoid shaming as a means of education. We know that a better future requires change and work from all of us. That's why we're out here fighting greenwashing. We want everyone to know what really needs to happen to make the world better. It starts with knowledge, right? We want everyone to feel welcome to join. And that means that no gatekeeping is allowed. That's why it is so important. It's up to us to help others make good decisions by sharing our knowledge and experience. I get so excited to see all of you sharing and creating your own educational content about fast fashion and greenwashing. It's the best. There are still so many people. In fact, I would say most people who don't know what we know, the things that we have learned together in the past few years. Knowing that keeps me motivated on days when I'm tired or getting close to burned out because giving up is just not an option when so few people know the truth about our clothing and just about everything else we buy. It's never just clothing, right? I guess I'm on a mission and guess what? You're on the mission with me. I guarantee that you have already changed some minds this week, maybe made some of the people in your life think twice about something they took for granted as true. Keep up the good work. You're making change happen, and I'll be there working alongside you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Close Horse. Written, researched, edited, hosted, all the things by me, Amanda Lee McCarty. If you like what you're hearing, please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or, you know, just go tell one of your friends because what they don't know will hurt them. I'm, I hate knowing all the things that I know now sometimes, but then I'm also glad that I know those things, right? If you're interested in supporting my work financially, you can check out patreon.com slash podcast. Thanks, as always, to my other half, Dustin Travis White, for our music and audio support. And there will not be an episode next week. It is Labor Day weekend, and I am going to spend some quality time with Dustin. All right. Until the next episode. Bye. Bye.